At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So, John, uh, do you happen to recall what you were doing in 1997? May specifically when the San Antonio Spurs won after a one-season tank job the right to select uh, Tim Duncan in that draft? I was in Portland doing something. (laughs) (laughs) It probably involved coffee. I probably wrote about it on alleyoop.com somewhere. Yeah, I was uh, probably watching the Chicago Bulls in the 97 playoffs. Uh, let's see, that would have been maybe around when they were wrapping up the second round against the Atlanta Hawks in five games. I mean, what was famous about that lottery at the time was Patino had taken over the Celtics, and they had two shots at it somehow. I can't remember how. Um, and I want to say they ended up with picks three and six. But it was like, oh yeah, this is perfect. Patino's going to going to the Celtics. They're going to get Tim Duncan, and then you know, instead he ends up with what do you end up John, with? Like Rod Mer- Rod Mercer. And oh yeah, maybe it was Billups and Antoine Walker. No, no, no. It was uh, Chauncey Billups and Ron Mercer. Oh, okay, that's right. I, I yeah, knew Mercer was, was, had, was the in there somewhere. Year. Yeah, yeah, because we knew he was going to coach Antoine Walker, who he had, who had already uh, played for him. Yes. So. Yeah, that's uh I mean it's pretty incredible that the Spurs got David Robinson, they got Tim Duncan, now they have uh, Victor Wembanyama. And I guess before we drill into the Spurs specifically, you're actually there. You you didn't do the like, you know, double secret in the room lottery drawing, but you were there for the actual lottery drawing. Correct. Was this your first time doing it as a media member? Uh yeah, I went to the lottery last year, but I I actually didn't go in the I wasn't in the like where the actual room where everything happening was happening was, um, which I was this year. Like I, I was right oh. in the same room with like the TV studio and Mark Tatum and everything. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, what'd you think? What was it like? It was it was really interesting. Just the nervous energy. I mean, just talking to some of the executives that were there and. I could relate to this because this was me in 2018, obviously, that you're, you just feel your, your fate is totally controlled by these outside forces that you, you know, you, you, you have nothing to do with. And everyone was praying that if they didn't get Wembenyama, that he went to the other conference was, was the other part of it. 
So like all the East teams were like, okay, if we don't get it, we want them to go West. It, all the West teams felt the opposite, obviously. But the, the most hilarious part was, so we're able to interview uh, Peter Holt, the Spurs governor, and uh, Brian Wright, their general manager, right afterward. Yeah, and this, this is like Peter, Peter Holt, like junior or whatever. Peter, right? there's Peter, Peter John Holt. Yeah, yeah this, so this is yeah. the third generation of Holtz that's uh, been in charge of the Spurs. Ah, okay. He's the he's the chairman of Spurs Sports and Entertainment, I think. I hope. Oh I'm yeah, be- because right. we know how important getting the exact title right is for all these guys. We <laughs> we it would be just a completely dis- complete disservice to all of our fans to not give them this specific title. Well, I I mean, I I really you know when, when I got promoted from vice president of basketball operations to executive vice president of basketball operations. I made, I made damn sure that every reporter got that exactly right in their, in their story. <laughs> well, I was disappointed that Nick Collison's title was so normal sounding. It was like, you know, so, director of amateur scouting or something like that. Right. It, it's just, yeah. it, it was like, I was like, wow, this is actually like this title, like tells us what he does. Yeah. <laughs> they've, is- <laughs> yeah d- disappointing. Right. They, they've given up. Uh oh! I also I I, I must know what uh, Dalen Terry's reaction was. As oh, you know what? Though. I was not monitoring him. That I mean, that would have been so hilarious if the Bulls had won and like Dalen Terry is associated with this indelible moment in franchise history. Well, but, and he they showed him on the broadcast, but like you know they did the like okay, let's show who's here for each of them thing. And then when they lost their pick, they showed him for approximately 0.5 of a second. And that was it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, no, the, the thing that was funny, though, when we talked to them was that they, they like, wouldn't admit that they were going to be taking Victor Wembanyama, that they had won the lottery for him. It's like, oh, oh, well, oh we you got- probably missed this. Actually, Windhorse said uh, in his article that there actually was a league memo saying, don't say that you're going to take Wembanyama. Yeah, yeah, and the the extent of the gymnastics to like to talk about the guy they were obviously getting while not giving away who they were picking just grew increasingly hilarious the longer the interview went on. <laughs> but that is interesting because yeah. you remember um, a couple years ago it was the Zion lottery, right? But almost immediately afterward, it came out that the Grizzlies were going to take John Morant number two. It was like it, it was almost like the draft was happening right after the lottery, and I guess they they wanted to keep a little more mystery than that. Yeah, that was a good decision, by the way. Uh, although I guess that's something we'll have to talk a little about uh, about it in a moment too here. But uh, still, still rather have than RJ Barrett. But yeah, so that's that's what they're talking about. It, were there any other observations, either like just from your experience back in 2018 that you remember of like what it was like or anything that struck you about being in the room or things things that were said anything that you'd want to touch on uh i i think we'll get into it as we as we get into some of these teams actually because that was that was more where some of the interesting information happened i think yeah okay so uh, let's start uh, with san antonio and i i guess maybe this is uh let let me do i'll I'll ask the question like a reporter how important is it that the spurs uh, got the right to draft victor wembenyama I think the way proper phrase to way to phrase it is you need to say talk about the Spurs getting Victor Wimpyama. Oh no, actually, I think talk about the Spurs 
getting Victor Wembanyama is way better than how important is it? <laughs> it's like, well, uh, I would assign uh, 37 importance points to this. <laughs> like, like, what, what you, yes, it's important. It's not important. I, 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 don't, I, I mean, this important. is this is massive because the Spurs were they were in the midst of a long, painful rebuild, and they needed something like this to spur it along. Sorry, uh, because otherwise they found some decent players and whatever, but they just weren't going to be good enough for quite a while. And now this accelerates the timeline significantly. I think they could probably be bad for one more year and take their lumps a little bit in Victor's rookie year. And then by the time we get to 24, hopefully some of these other picks have matured and they have a ton of cap space. They have picks from other people. They have two unprotected firsts coming from Atlanta. They're really well positioned for the second half of this decade. And the only question is kind of how how quickly do you ramp up from here? Yeah, it's a, they also have plenty of cap space as well this year. Or Dan and I were talking yesterday, they could easily roll it over to next year when maybe there's exactly. an interesting free agent class as well. And maybe more importantly, there would be a feeling that I want to come play with this guy. It, I, we just, I think, I don't know if I would want to be like too aggressive yet, just because I don't think anyone knows what this guy is going to be. And there, there are these rules now with the minimum team salary where they're going to have to spend something they can't do exactly what they did last year where they're just gonna not spend yeah uh, so the, they'll have to do something maybe that'll make them more competitive and of course given the rules we forget because this is a pretty chalk lottery that there are really good chances for teams to, to move up uh as the kings did last year you know in that six to eight or nine range uh, more chances for that than there used to be yeah the Spurs, because so the spurs could be run-of-the-mill bad next year and still give themselves a decent chance to get another very high pick and in what's expected to be a weak draft next year though yeah yeah although people always say that and then there are players who emerge but maybe when people say it's a weak draft a lot of times they kind of just mean the very top picks because they're always going to be good players who emerge below that but if you knew who they were then they would be top picks so it's just it's more a question of not having the certainty i think in these ostensibly weak drafts than it is that you can't get a good player so it's really more about having a top pick i would say in in a lot of these drafts yeah, we tend to judge drafts by by their top. That's true. There, there's no Wembenyama in next year's draft. The the next yeah. draft that's probably like this uh, is in three years when Cooper Flag and Cam Boozer uh, become draft eligible. I mean, people are talking about those two guys already as like, oh my god, you got to see them. So, so yeah, the Spurs. I, I really like Wembenyama's fit with everything that they have. They could probably stand to get a point guard at some point like that's the biggest thing they need in the pipeline but between they have if you want to say Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Jeremy Sohan, yep, Wembenyama or you know if you want to they'll probably start Wembenyama at the four next to Zach Collins that's fine but Zach Collins isn't a guy that they've committed a ton to Zach's working on a shot so he could maybe play outside a little bit too and you can kind of figure out a what you've got in this guy they got blake wesley uh, out there to uh take some of the pressure off of victor yeah i um <laughs> that malachi Bryan, branham did some stuff at the end of the season he's he's a little interesting at least so we'll yeah. see if either of those two guys pan out uh could probably use maybe one more like physical enforcer type on the front line to help him out at least the first couple years and but i agree point, point guard's the biggest thing i mean trey jones is more of a 
what I would call a caretaker. Don't turn the ball over, spread it around, whatever, which is fine. I mean, it's better than watching Victor play, you know, with Tremont Waters in France, where it's where he's playing with a shoot first guy and they're leaving money on the table left and right. Uh, but you you still see that as a situation where they they need a better creator distributor guy. Is there anyone? I maybe we'll not even be specific about it, but what types of players do you think early on it? Let's let's say Victor is. I mean, this is the feeling everyone has that you know he's going to be almost at an all star level right away. And yeah, you, know, you said all right, maybe it'd be bad for one more year. Maybe he's even too good for that. Maybe they decide they they have a good chance of getting someone in free agency or whatever to. Uh, even in that first year. But what sorts of players would you like to put around him just generally? Like, what is the way to maximize him? I mean, we'll say over the first few seasons of his career. Well, I I think having somebody who can handle physicality next to him on the front line is probably the biggest thing you wonder about. And getting that fit right, who is the best front court partner for him? I don't think he can be the only big playing with four smalls yet. Uh, yeah, maybe at the end of games against certain teams, but yeah, you know, if, if he's going up against a Jokic or Embiid, yeah, he's not going to be able to deal with with someone like that. You don't. It, it's going to be like with when we drafted Jaron in Memphis a little bit. Like it's going to be an evolutionary thing as his body fills out, where you're able to get to that more and more. But I, in in his rookie year, I, I think you're going to want another big next to him most of the time, and that big needs to be. Somebody really willing to do the grunt work. You know who actually I think would be a really good fit in free agency is Grant Williams. Oh, oh, and not not someone who's going to break the bank, but you could certainly they have plenty of space. Yeah, good character guy. Uh, you know, he could kind of guard opposing centers some with Victor behind a, on the back line. He can also yeah. space it out on the offensive end. You know, he probably doesn't start, but he comes off the bench and and gives you some versatility. If they want to do a little switching, they could do that. I, I think that that would be, he would be a really interesting fit. And they have plenty of money. And especially with the second apron, they can, uh, and with some of the salary issues that Boston has coming up here, they could absolutely go get him. Yeah, that's that. I really like that. And again, you know, we're talking about fifteen million a year or something. Yeah, we're not talking about anything yeah. crazy, but it, as and but they have plenty of flexibility. And he, he's young enough to where he could grow a victory. He's only twenty four. He, he was a young uh, junior when he was drafted. Yeah, and that's not enough money to imperil their twenty twenty four room either. No, so it's kind of a best case scenario. There we have it. All right, Grant Williams and Victor Wembanyama are going to dominate together. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that that's just like kind of one small step you you could take uh, because uh, th- and that's those are the kind of players that you would love to be able to play next to him. And uh, yeah, you know there isn't anybody else, and I think also just getting like one more really good shooter, uh, like Max Struess would be interesting. But I think they probably want to see if you know, Brandon can develop into that guy. Um, how are you feeling about the Spurs like developmentally these days? They've done okay. I mean, they did a pretty good job with Keldon Johnson. Um, Pirtle, I thought, made some steps there. Uh, turned into a pretty good player. Got them a first-round pick. DeJounte Murray's development actually was was really impressive. I mean, he couldn't shoot at all when he got there. Uh, so I'm, I'm not sure if it's quite at the 
exalted status that it was five, 10 years ago, but I, it's still an organization that I think you would trust to more or less let players hit their ceilings. How do you feel? I feel pretty good about it. When you when it got down to that top four of Houston, Portland, Charlotte, and San Antonio, I think he really wanted to go to San Antonio, in part due, of course, to the French connections there. But also, I do think that that will be the best place for him. Now, will that continue after Greg Popovich retires? I would imagine Pop is going to coach him for at least a season or two now. But... Uh, good, good job by him not announcing his retirement, by the way. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> uh, so, no, I, I think that uh, – and, I mean, the one thing that you might complain about is that they don't, like, have guys shooting enough threes right away. But I actually think uh, when Benyama's three-point shooting is nice, I don't know that he's going to be the guy as a shooter that he looked like in that first G League game where he was just, like, you know, drawing four-point plays and, like, you know, fading three pointers in the corner and stuff. Like, I don't know that that's going to be his destiny. Uh, and I think you, uh, I, I kind of more trust the Spurs to, to teach him how to be a guy that you're going to run stuff through in the NBA. And if that does involve more mid range, that's uh, okay too. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think maybe it's not, they're not the absolute best developmental organization, but they're still like solidly in the top half of the league, maybe even the top quarter of the league. Yeah. Based on what they've done recently. Yeah. I mean, relative to some of these other places he could have gone, certainly. I mean, there were there was a lot of there were a lot of cringy landing spots here that were avoided. Uh yeah, I mean, yeah, and then like you look at Derek White as well, Kelton Johnson. To get White, Johnson, and Marie out of three twenty-nine picks. Oh That's yeah, cool. yeah. Um, also, uh, they can he can follow in the footsteps of another French legend with the Spurs, Olivier Jean Charles. <laughs> Jean Charles, I should say, not not Jean Charles. He would not pronounce the S. He actually might have been good if he hadn't torn up his knee. <laughs> had 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 an amazing hoop summit game. Yeah, but. Uh, Okay, that's, that's probably enough on the Spurs for now. Oh, well, actually, no, there is one other thing we have to talk about, too. Okay. They fucking tanked one season and they got him. <laughs> it's just like how they got Tim Duncan, right? <laughs> it, it, yeah. Now, not quite, because it's not like they were a conference finals level of team last year. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean it's, a, and, and yeah, granted, it was only a 14% chance of this happening. But how good but, does that Murray trade look now? Exactly. I mean, they got three firsts, two unprotected from an Atlanta team that might be circling the drain a little bit, and they get the number one pick in the, in the lottery. Yeah, and they certainly, I would say, other than Portland, they probably tanked the hardest last year. The rest of these teams just weren't good or had injuries. San Antonio was definitely, I would say, very judicious with the deployment of some of their better players, or or they would just alternate. They would never put too many of their good players out there at the same time, and like they... Like, they actually were competitive at times, and then they would just find ways to lose by 50 other times. <laughs> they they actually, I think they actually outperformed their Pythagorean uh, estimate, because they had the worst scoring margin in the league. Yeah, well, they started 5-2. and two. That's right. That's right. The incredible start. But, yeah. No, the, as an organization, they did a great job, uh, and uh, the Murray trade was good. Not re-signing DeRosa, and they got a pick out of that. So they, they are plus four in picks, plus two swaps. 
So even if they do, if Victor is good enough to get them to where they're going to be kind of in the back end of the lottery next year, you're, and also they've been able to make players out of guys in that range as well. Okay, what about the rest of the lottery here? Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top quality personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash Sirius XM. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I think the way the rest of the lottery turned out is actually really interesting because it could potentially set us up for a lot of trades. Um, it gets interesting right at two with Charlotte where they have a choice probably between Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller. I think Scoot Henderson is the better prospect, but there's some overlap there with LaMelo Ball. So the thing you immediately wonder is, could they trade down to three and still get Miller if that's their guy? But to do that, you have to sell people that you might take Henderson at two otherwise. So it becomes this shell game a little bit. Well, and Portland has the same thing with Henderson as well. Exactly. So Portland, logically... Okay, this will immediately be thrown out, uh, but logically, the thing Portland should do is draft Scoot Henderson and trade Damian Lillard. Assuming right? he's uh, that he's there. Well, so you, uh, we'll get more into the draft in much greater detail in about a month or so. But Scoot Henderson to you is that level of you know, superstar point guard prospect. I I think he has a a reasonable chance of of I think he has a reasonable chance of becoming an all star. Yeah. I would be very excited about going forward with Henderson, Sharp, and a clean cap. And also all of the booty from a Dame trade, which, yeah. given the amount of pressure there is around the league, would yeah. be... Uh, although, who who's in position right now to make just a massive trade for Damian Lillard? Well, Oklahoma City, because they have everyone's picks. <laughs> Well, they don't necessarily uh, 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 the Dame Dame and Shea as a combo. It's not bad. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, I was joking about them. Um, yeah. Could Could Brooklyn get interested by something like that? Could or, Orlando's probably not on the right timeline. Pelicans still have some picks. The, making their cap work oh. might be interested. Well, that and that's the thing too with this second apron now. Damian Lillard making sixty million dollars, right? In a couple of years, like you got to. I mean, I really went through it for the first time in the last week or so, and I did a, a pod for. It's actually a public pod if you guys want to listen to it uh, with Larry Coon, really going through all this stuff. But do you agree with me? that we'll see maybe like two or three teams go into the second apron for one season. And that's basically going to be it after, after this season, obviously teams are kind of stuck there, but yeah, I know. I completely agree with that. It is a, it is a soft, hard cap. Like the team teams just aren't going to go past that 
because it puts too many handcuffs on you. Well, and also the the, the penalties are more, more the penalties now. are more draconian as well. Yes. Yeah. So let me just go through it here. All the things that happened to you, and we're getting a little off track here right now, but I think it's important to have this as we as we talk about. It. And you can start listing them. I'll get any that that you might miss off the top of your head. Like what happens to you if you go over the second apron? Uh, so you you can't sign a buyout guy. You lose your taxpayer mid level. So you don't have any mid-level at all. Um, you can't take back any more money in a trade. Like you can't trade 10 million for 10.1 million even. Um, you can't do that even if it's um, even, even if it's like reverse aggregation, you can't do that. In other words, you can't trade two 15s for a 20, even though it cuts your salary by 10 million. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, all right, here, I, I got it. You, you can only field here, four here. players on the court at a time. <laughs> Uh, okay. Yeah. So you, you can't send cash in a trade. Uh, you, the buyout thing is actually, that's after the first apron, uh, as well. Um, you can't send a guy out in a sign and trade and get a trade exception. Like the KD D'Angelo Russell thing. You can't do Mm. that. And then the tax gets to be crazy. Now after about after 15 million, it goes up to, 350 rather than two or i'm sorry after 10 million it goes up to 350 and it used to be 250 after 15 million it goes up to 475 rather than 325 and then the repeater tax is two dollars more rather than one dollar more so that's that's just a crazy number also Mm -hmm. and then there's this draft pick thing which is that's a pretty remarkable the handcuff the handcuff draft pick where and where it moves to the back of the line if if you stay over um that 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 is unbelievable to me that that i I think yeah i can't i can't see anyone willfully letting their draft pick in seven years automatically be the last one in the first round like i just can't see that so So here's how this works that's going to be a hard barrier and then the other one is uh Executives and scouts uh, on the road, no Marriott points if they're above the apron. <laughs> or or you're only allowed to scout in San Antonio, <laughs> right. Oklahoma City, and Memphis. <laughs> and Grand Sorry, Rapids. Memphis, but, 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 it, but you don't have any direct flights, so <laughs> you can stow away in a FedEx plane. Uh, th- let me just uh, run down exactly what the draft pick thing is, though, just so we have it here. So let's say you're the Golden State Warriors. This this starts in the 24-25 season. So you are over the second apron in 2024, 25. When you're over the second apron, now you cannot trade your first round pick seven years out, which is in 2031. That pick remains frozen for at least the next three seasons. And you have to basically cleanse, be out of the second apron for the next three seasons. And then the pick is unfrozen. So basically, and, and, but that it's not like your pick seven years out is un, is frozen during that period. It's that original pick. So if you are in the second apron in the 24, 25 season, your 2031 pick is frozen for 26, 27 and 28 and you can't trade it again until the 28 29 season and that's only if you've been out of the second apron all of those years so basically what it's going to lead to is that 
you know, maybe if you're that one year you're in the second apron, you could still trade three first round picks, but then it's going to be this albatross where because of the Stepien rule, you're not really going to be able to make a trade of more than like one or two first rounders yeah. over the next few years. And then, of course, if you don't cleanse, then that pick goes down to the back of the first round is what you were talking about. And considering, again, that that's, you know, second apron teams are usually trying to compete. But seven years after, you're probably at the point where you're, I mean, you really would only not cleanse if you're just a championship contender all those years. You know, maybe a team like the Boston Celtics, it might be worth it to do that just because you you got to keep Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum together. Yeah. Outside of that, though, it's really hard to see a Clippers or a Warriors staying in that second apron as you're at the end of your competition window. I thought this new CBA really went after the Clippers and Warriors. Yeah, just, and, just, and Brooklyn to some degree too. Just, but but uh, yeah, as we know, Brooklyn that, is always going to just fall. They'll lose their stomach for paying a bunch of money and, and have to trade everyone after two years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's but that, that, that model, the, the we don't care, shoot, shoot money out the fire hose model is, is dead now. Yeah, and really the only way it would make sense is if you just have this amazing homegrown team that's Yeah, like and you resign resign everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So and Golden State would not necessarily like the Clippers you can definitely point to is that Golden State really the only guy that they kept was Andrew Wiggins uh, or, or that they got uh, that wasn't homegrown was then KD and then uh, ultimately Wiggins. Uh but anyway, so what initially or, or initially started this discussion was that Damian Lillard is going to be maybe not we'll see where this extension ends up uh, because it's it'll basically be for the max starting in 25 26 but yeah he's going to be in his mid 30s and you know making maybe as much as 60 million depending on how the cap goes up in those years and that's really <laughs> like I, I if you're it's just so hard to do anything with someone making 35% of the cap or more unless that guy is one of the top five players in the NBA. Even then, it's tough. Like, the Bucks are going to be in trouble now with Giannis. The Celtics, if uh, Jalen Braun and Jason Tatum are both uh, making 35% of the cap, like, that's... I mean, you're you're. it's impossible to not be up against the second apron there. So teams are just going to have to be a lot smarter about extensions and trading for guys and all that than they, they were before if you're going to really be good. And I think we're going to, and you know, maybe the Spurs uh, with Wembenyama, if he gets good really quickly, but it's just, I think the era of like the great team is dead, except in a few circumstances here where you just manage to get a ton of luck and make the team homegrown. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really hard to be sustainably awesome. Sustainably competitive still still is very attainable, but to be to be like the team that wins 55 to 60 every year for half a decade, man, that's that's going to be a tough thing to pull off in this environment. How uh you think that's good for the league? I think it generally is. I think we're like sort of seeing it in this year's playoffs where there's more mystery and it's created more excitement, I think. You, you don't want it to turn into the NHL where it's just totally random. But the but basketball, the, the playoffs have been, I would argue, a little too predictable. And so having a little more parity is probably a good thing. It also increases, it should theoretically increase the importance of the regular season if the teams are closer together in the standings. And I think that's been a goal for the league for a while. They've achieved some of it with the play-in, uh, but to to make these 82 games during the season all matter. 
the idea being the closer together teams are having an easier path and i mean you know certainly if you would say if, if the the denver nuggets and uh now milwaukee would be like hey uh, why why didn't we get to play the hawks again in the first round <laughs> uh, but yeah certainly the denver nuggets playing minnesota versus the grizz having to play the lakers yeah it's a pretty big difference right so and having home court is although home court seems like it matters less in the playoffs than it ever has maybe that's though because the teams are closer together not because home court matters less to me I'm I think that it's the great teams over NBA history that have been around that have a story that weaves the through the league for five years maybe even even 10 years that's what has really captured my imagination as a fan but I also grew up in Chicago and now I've been here in, in Golden State uh and, and followed that team and, and all their ups and downs but I do think there's something to fans being able to get to know players get to know teams but uh, I don't know. I, I think it's it's going to be really interesting what this causes and the players. I mean, we forget about this because we don't we're not going to see it that they got a lot of concessions in terms of just BRI and, and added money and, and the minimum salary. Like all these things are going to be uh, are, are going stuff's going into the players' pockets. But we're going to be kind of reminded of, of this second apron more than basically anything else from the CBA. So yeah, back to uh, Dame Alert <laughs> and the Blazers at, at three now that we've gone on this magical tour. But I think it's, this is really, we got to keep this new CBA in mind when we talk about all this stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure who who else is out there. Like the Knicks, like Jalen Brunson is too good now, I think. I don't think you want Damian Lillard at this point. Yeah, so I, I think realistically what Portland is actually going to do, since they seem all in on trying to make it work with Lillard still, uh is they're going to trade this pick or they're going to shop this pick at least. Uh, well, they could just take Brandon Miller if it's Brandon Miller, but it seems like it's probably not going to be. It, that, that's true. They could take Miller. I, I still think they they shop uh, with this pick and either Simons, Nurkic, or both of them and try to see who they can get. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure it's going to work. I'm not sure they're gonna, there's anyone that's realistically gettable. Um, like, would you do Simons, Nurkic, and the third pick for Carl Towns? You talk about a, a payroll that gets unwieldy in three years, though. Yeah, I, yeah. Carl Towns making thirty five percent of your cap under this new regime. No, thank you. Yeah. So, what about what, what about uh, Dame Lillard in Toronto? That's an interesting one because they could sort of use the boost. He would fit a lot of the things that they lack. That's interesting. What about Damian Lillard in Utah? Back where it all started. Yeah, we were staying. A few miles from Ogden. Uh, you know, Doesn't, I I, yeah. I don't yeah, I don't I don't love that one. I, I think that's too that's like too quick for them. I think you're probably right. And that kind of just puts you back where you were before, which wasn't the end of the world. <laughs> They're yeah. a good team, but yeah, it's probably not a I mean they might be the best offense in the league if they got him. He, and you got Walker Kessler on defense. It, it, it would be marketing Kessler, Dame, and still having good flexibility. Like they have the salary structure going forward where it might actually be okay. But yeah, it, it doesn't seem like that's something that they would do necessarily. But they got all the picks. They, they could they could go that way if they want to. Okay, uh, let's keep going down there. Any other teams where uh, their decision is really interesting to you? Yeah, so Houston at four, where they really want to win this year. They owe a top four protected pick from the Westbrook trade next year. Uh, Detroit at five, same thing. There are two franchises where they're, I think their impatience is a little counterproductive, but yeah. they're... Well, Houston's 
I, they're just they have a top four protected pick next year. They kind of just have to yeah. move up. This, and this is always going to be the plan. Both teams have you know bringing in new coaches uh, have been in the doldrums for a few years, right? And they're kind of antsy antsy to win. Not sure either of them really wants to bring in another young player. So I think both those picks could easily be in play, uh, especially Houston's. And then the other one I wonder about, so Orlando has picked 6-11, and 11, and I'm wondering if they could get Scoot. Could, could they go 6-11 and 11 to get to 3 to get Scoot if Charlotte takes Miller at 2? And then Portland makes their moves off of 6-11? and 11? <sighs> I mean, They might, probably would have to throw something else in, you would think. Uh, very likely, they yeah. Some, they have yeah. to th- throw something in or take Nurkic back or something, yeah. Seems like Portland could do better with the third pick than that, especially if they're going to try to. Uh, I mean, I still think the number three pick as a trade piece is more exciting than six and eleven. Yeah, six and eleven. The advantage of six and eleven is you can do two different deals. You can split the baby, which you can't do with three. So, like, uh, Amon Thompson not exciting enough for these teams at four and five. You think to want to just uh, like, all right, we're automatically going to take this guy. We really believe in him. I think people aren't sure. I think people just don't know how how to calibrate overtime elite against. You know, we kind of have this. We kind of have knowns that we deal with with the NCAA and even with even with the G League. Um, you know, with these G League Ignite guys, and we just don't quite have that with overtime elite. And so, calibrating what they're doing there, I think, is really hard for people. At Bet three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Dallas kept their pick, number 10. Yes, a reward be, uh, for their brazen final week tanking job. That, that's that's a pick that I suspect would be in play as well as they try what, to move. What makes you think that? Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Well, here, we, not only are we offering you the 10th pick, but we can also give you JaVale McGee and Davis Bertans. These are the hardest trades to calibrate because this is something I, I think we brought it up on this show of when is the last time a top 10 pick got traded for just a player I, we've seen it get traded for other picks uh, trading down whatever but as part of larger deals but it just i mean went because dallas all they basically have is just that one pick like what is what kind of player does the number 10 pick get you right now because like, that's that's probably kind of worth uh, now we saw for example number 11 in last year's draft ostensibly a worse draft usman jang okc grabbed him and gave up three more protected number ones going forward so yeah like what kind of player is available is that a like that's not enough i would say for like an ogn and ob given the the price that seems to be offered for guys like that although you know it was oh they offered three first round picks for og also only has one year left on his deal as well dallas is another team that could be running into second apron issues if they re-sign Kyrie, they got luca and they want to re-sign someone like ogn and ob who's gonna have a big market um yeah i'm trying to think of who else would be 
out there if you're trading that number 10 because obviously they're looking for wing athleticism basically what they traded away in dorian finney smith but better and that's the thing everyone is looking for it's it's going to be really tough to come by i just guys like that don't end up on the on the market that i think that's why portland did what they did to get jeremy grant just because they they just didn't think that type of player was going to come available that often it's why memphis you know pursued mikhail bridges as hard as they did so uh i i i think pulling out of this in dallas with what they have is going to be really hard because even like the matching salary is you know not bad yeah yeah bad yeah that's a good word for it <laughs> well at least yeah Bertans at least is expiring now uh he's got he's got five million next year but that or or in uh 24 25 but that only guarantees if he plays 75 percent of the games which uh in 23 24 which there's a very easy way to make sure he doesn't do that and that's by not having him <laughs> on the team yeah seems like he might be headed for a stretch actually to take take that 23 million and or 22 million and spread it over five years yeah but, yeah that's a that's a good one there all right i think i think that's about all i got uh, on the lottery I, uh we got no we got one yeah. more to discuss okay a tradition unlike any other washington at number eight <laughs> they at least tried to tank a little bit down the end of the season a little bit yes so. yeah jake fisher called uh their gm search clandestine yesterday in a column uh i heard i heard a word for it that also begins with cl <laughs> What what are they going to do? Uh that nobody they, like they, they move on from Tommy Shepard. Like what is what does that mean? Nobody seems to totally know. And I mean last night one of the questions that people were talking about was will Washington even have a GM by the draft? And if well, not, no no, what they'll who's, do who's is making the pick? Well, what they'll do is they will just appoint whoever the person is uh, below Tommy Shepard as interim GM interview a bunch of people all the way up through a free agency and then appoint that guy, the new GM. I mean, that, that scenario is on the table. Like no, nobody, like nobody would be like, no, 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 that definitely won't happen. (laughs) Like no, nobody's going to tell you that. Yeah. The question I have. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm just wondering which, which college upperclassmen will be there to disappoint them at eight. I don't know. Johnny Davis was a sophomore. But I think because the question I have is presumably the reason Tommy Shepard was fired was the edict was to make the playoffs and he hasn't been making the playoffs, right? Like that's that's the reason you would think that he was fired. So, but Ted Leonsis is looking for someone to come in and make sure that this team makes the playoffs. I would assume that's what his thinking is. But like, is there a possibility that some of these candidates could come in and interview and actually sell him on a saner approach? You would optimistically hope maybe that's the case. I think realistically that would only happen if is it is if it's a a name, right? Yeah. If somehow he were able to lure Masai Ujiri out of Toronto, let's say, since that Washington smoke never seemed to totally go away, um, then then I think 
part of the deal is him saying, look, we can't, we can't do this shit. Like, no, like <laughs> we're, we're starting from the bottom and building it back up. Yeah. Now that said, Messiah is never like actually tanked other than like in season, like in 21 when it, it was the, the, the Tampa, the Tampa tank. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's never tanked going into a season. It seemed like that was the, although plan he was 13, thinking about 14, it. Yeah. He was thinking yeah. about it. Cause he wanted to trade uh, Kyle Lowry to the Knicks after he, phoned them on the Bargnani deal, and and the Knicks pulled out of it. Yeah, what a crossroads that would have been. But your your thinking as you were talking about Washington is eighth pick could also be in play. Uh, I th- I think it could be in play. I think more realistically, they probably end up keeping it. Like I I don't know doing a deal like that without the, without a GM. Like it's just going to be it's just going to be hard. I mean, Pete. Look, I talked to some teams about this last night. I mean, they they have points of ta- contact within Washington, right? Like, it, you could still call Brett Greenberg or John Thompson II or whatever. And, There's and, still someone in the mailroom uh, reading the faxes that come in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's all being like the decision making they they're just they're just a relay point right like right because it's it's leonsis that's making the call right now and so it's just hard to get to move quickly and get things to completion and uh, it, anytime there's friction like that on something that's already pretty complicated to put together like i, I don't know i just i just assume it won't happen well actually no they could talk to the second highest ranking person in the organization who reports directly to leontis that's uh, the medical guy right <laughs> it's not tim yeah no nobody made jokes about this last night <laughs> uh, but if i were them at this point i think as crazy as it is to say I think my path would be re-sign Porzingis, re-sign Kuzma, unless it's like just a crazy number, which I don't, I don't know who the suitor is for Porzingis necessarily. I think, uh, I actually wonder if Kuzma's number might get, I'm not going to say more than Porzingis's, but on a relative basis might look crazier. Yeah. Just because there's more teams that need help at the 3-4. Yeah. But, but I think, especially if the bidding gets to be pretty high for Kuzma, you just say, all right, let's, let's run it back with these guys. And hey, if we're kind of in the same area that we were last year, then we'll just trade them at the deadline. But of course, they would be like, "Well, we're we're pretty close to maybe getting the, to the playoffs here," so they wouldn't do that. But that <laughs> that would be my plan to just like you, there's no reason to just let those guys go at this point. You've gotten all the way to this; like you might as well retain the asset. You would think, yeah, they have. Looks like it's going to be about fifty million under the tax line to play with for their two contracts. Maybe a little All bit right, more than that. A, I, yeah, I had some other topic. Now we've been so scattershot. Although I've I've really enjoyed this. Uh, honestly, I'm. I'm well, it's been. Oh yeah, let's talk about uh, Doc Rivers. Uh, Philly firing him. You, you're one away from your prediction being true now. Worth yeah. Six. So I set the over under at seven. Those who have been listening will know. We're now at six. We'll see if we get a seventh. I still think there are one or two situations that could wriggle open here. Doc was interesting to me because you could almost see this coming like before the season even started that that if if Philly didn't make a a really deep run that that this was the one move they had left and you knew that stylistically he and Daryl Morey maybe weren't 100% copacetic. I mean, Doc was there before Daryl got there, which is always a formula. Was he? Yeah, they hired Doc first. Well, I I know technically that was the case, but. I mean, I, I'd be very surprised if Daryl went from uh, 
leaving Houston to spend more time to his family and just, oh, hey, by the way, uh, Philly uh, just happens to be open here. Uh, I would assume that he at least knew who the coach was going to be before he went there. I mean, obviously that was the case, but that he at least had some input on it. I'm trying to recreate the timeline in my head. Yeah, he steps down after the bubble, and then maybe like two weeks after the bubble, I think they signed Doc, and then like a month after the bubble, or at least after they lost in the bubble, then they they bring in Daryl Morey. Okay, okay. I think that that's my recollection of it. Okay. Yeah, because Doc, but regardless, I Doc mean, coached I, I the Clippers in the bubble, yeah. right? When they lost, they, they lost to uh, yes. Denver. Okay. Yeah. To me, we we discussed this in a little in our coach rankings. Like people bring up all these stats on on Doc Rivers in the playoffs, and I think one of the things it shows is that he's been good enough to get to those points in the playoffs consistently. Uh, so whether whether he's a good coach, I think is is not really in doubt. It's whether he's an elite coach and whether he's the right coach for a team getting into the late rounds of the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think that's he definitely does really well with undermanned teams. Look, go back and look at just game one uh, of this series that they just lost, uh, by the way. And I, I think if you just look at his, I always say deserve got nothing to do with it, right? Like, I don't think that the last two seasons that they lost, that Doc was even close to the primary reason why, maybe more so in 21, where that was kind of an unacceptable loss, although he also was dealing with the Ben Simmons albatross that year. So I and they, I think he've, he's done very well in the regular season all three years, probably better than a lot of guys they, that they could bring in. But Bogner noted this, that he's coached Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and James Harden and Joel Embiid and has not been to a conference finals in the last 10 seasons, despite making the playoffs every season but one out of yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's the, like at some point you have to have broken through you would think just due to chance and there are a few years of course where they're drawing dead with injuries and stuff yeah and i mean like that one year they had to go through memphis like you know that's you're you're not gonna win that (laughs) but but and i think also it's just regardless of whether you want to say that doc did a bad job which again i don't think he necessarily did maybe you can point to him be not getting the ball the last four minutes of of the game six as like the one thing i yeah i thought starting tucker was the right move i thought they actually had good schematic stuff to try to get good shots against that too big alignment for boston and they shot eight of 34 and eight of 37 from three in the two games against it which you just you have to make shots if you're going to beat that but i think at this point you're if you have doc rivers you're just waiting all season to get into this situation and you'd be like man i just have no faith in this guy to get us through it right? we just know what his record as in closeout games is like seth had this yesterday john dagger is 16 and 33 in closeout games rest of league wins those 60 percent of the time yeah that was amazing that actually that that one kind of floored me a little bit because i didn't i didn't realize that the win rate was so high for everyone else in those closeout games which you think it would be right like you got to three wins you're the superior team you should be able to close them out now some of those games you're more likely to once you've gotten to three wins to have the next game be on the road so maybe it's you that drags it down a little bit but uh, so yeah you, you're just that getting to that point with that hang over your head and, and here's another thing i would say too like clearly doc there's something there where you know, he's a little bit of a master of panic, as Shaq once said about Stan Van Gundy. So Joel Embiid and James Harden are like kind of masters of panic, too. 
a little bit. Like they, to me, need to get mentally tougher. And and frankly, like Daryl contributed this to this too with this whole like leaking of the ref report after Game Six. The thing I hated like, about that so much was it was like, hey, we're gonna need an excuse in a couple hours. That you know what I mean? That that's like that was the message it sent. Yeah, exactly. Like when you are, I said this already on, on the other pods, but when you're in a tough situation and your back's against the wall and things aren't going well, what you need to say to yourself is, "I need to be better. How can I be better? I have faith in myself to be better." When you're if you're focused on an external locus of control, it's so easy to lose heart. It's like, well, I'm getting screwed. I can't do anything about this. Referees just aren't giving me my calls. As opposed to, no, here's what I'm gonna do to be better and get us out of this. So I, I think they need, like, I don't think D'Antoni is the guy either. Cause he, he, I think, you know, also having coached Harden through some collapses and stuff like, I think they need someone who like Ty Lue would be amazing for them because he's you know someone who's going to really like help them fight through it, like change the culture a little bit there. Yeah. Ty Lue is the guy who I'm wondering if he'll be number seven. And I, he, I know he's under contract there. Uh, so maybe not, but I, I just wonder what the end game is in la yeah well well he'll <laughs> that's he's the only uh, place where he, he would actually be going to philly to coach more reliable superstars than the ones that he has now <laughs> yeah it's uh that's what it's i mean clippers is one of many places where it's going to be a very interesting off season oh god yeah i can't wait man this is going to be it's going to be so good and I, I think we can probably wrap this up here unless unless anything else is uh sticking in your craw here at the moment I don't think so. I'm excited to uh, get out onto the floor at the Combine here and watch some players. Uh, probably all second-rounders because none of the top guys ever take the court. But it'll be fun nonetheless. See if there's a Jalen Williams who, you know, plays himself up the board. Yeah, I should go to that. So now that it's during the conference finals, it's actually a little easier for me to go. Maybe I should go next year. Yeah, from the team side, it actually sucked when it was in the second round of the playoffs because not only was it in the second round, but it was in the in the back half of the second round. So you had teams trying to decide, like executives, do I go to my team's elimination game or do I go to the draft combine, right? Like that's a hard decision. And I think moving it back a week, A, there's only four teams playing now instead of eight. B, even the teams that are playing, okay, it's the first week of the conference finals. Depending on how the schedule falls, there might even be a couple off days, although there weren't this year. Um, so it's, it's just much easier to go ahead and leave your team for a few days and, and, and make the trip and really invest in it, which you should, cause it's like the draft's really freaking important. Uh, so I, I, I think it's a much better thing scheduling wise the way they do it now. Yeah. And having the lottery when everyone is there too, and including the draft prospects. Now I think they'll be, you'd imagine now that all of them have to come to the combine starting next year, that they'll be all around doing media during the lottery as well. So it should be all a a much better event, assuming that they stick with this thing of having the lottery in the same city. Have they been doing that before? Or is this the first year they did that? No, they they had the lottery here last year too. So they, and they did, um, that that 2018 yeah that was chicago also so they've done it for a few years now where, where they had the the lottery in chicago right with the combine 
All right. Yeah. No, that'll be good. Maybe I should try to get away and go to that. Uh, okay. That will do it for today. If you are not a Dunkdown Prime subscriber, you can get every Hollinger and Duncan episode, which of course is going to be essential going through this draft and free agency period. And of course, you can get six days a week of podcasts, or not six days a week, but six podcasts a week with the, me and John, and then five uh, with me and Danny. You get the writing of Dan Feldman, Seth Partno. I, I referenced him and that great article he wrote looking at the percentage of closeout games that were won and what an, an aberration it was uh, for Doc Rivers to have the record that he had. So we're trying to build something here. We really want you to be a part of it. If you haven't joined up yet, we'll talk to you all next week. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.